we have been, um, as I said earlier, we've been going through the Apostles' Creed. And uh, I'd like to start off by all of us stating the Creed together. So I'm going to ask you to stand this time. The Creed uh, it should be in your bulletins on the back. should be up on the screen. But uh, I challenge all of us. You know, we have, some of us have grown up in churches stating the Creed, saying the Creed, doing it by rote. But this is the essential, the fundamental statement of our Christian faith. So I hope you believe it. I hope we say it like we believe it. And if you don't, man, we pray that the Holy Spirit just melts your heart to believe it. So let's say it together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Y'all can be seated. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John 20. We're going to be looking at John 20 and Acts 1. We're going to focus on, as you can see, this statement that was underlined. On the third day, he rose from the dead, but he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. We're tying the resurrection and the ascension together and saying, what does that mean for our life today? What does it mean for our life right now? If you were here last week, we talked explicitly about the resurrection, that what Christianity means is that we have a living encounter, a living meeting with Jesus, our living Savior. That was part one of what the resurrection means. Today is part two. And what the resurrection means... It's what we've been singing about, we will go. What we've been talking about is that there is a new mission, direction, and agenda for our lives. If we believe the resurrection is true, and we have a living encounter with a living Savior, then we have a new mission, a new direction, new agenda for our lives. Let's look at John 20. I'm going to read. Used this passage last week. I'm going to use part of it again. John 20. Verse 16 through 21, starting verse 16, again, John 20. It says, Jesus said to her, Mary. Right after he's risen from the dead, first person he shows himself to is Mary. Mary turns and says to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, 
so I am sending you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is life. Your word is truth. Dear Lord, whether we know it or not, you're speaking to us. The concerns of our lives, the concerns of our heart, pray that your Holy Spirit breaks those, melts those, washes those away. And today we hear your voice from your word. And we respond to it by going. In Jesus' name, amen. I ask you a question to think about. The question is, how do we know someone is a Christian? Like, how do we really know? Now, I take people at their word. I mean, people usually say, okay, I believe in Christ. I've accepted Christ in my heart. I've walked down the aisle. I've been baptized. And again, for me, I take people at their word. Who am I? Who are we to judge people's hearts? God will ultimately judge our hearts, and whether it is legit or not. But usually folks will say that, and usually will say, well, we know they're a Christian because... You know, this is what they've said. This is, this is what we've seen. But I'm talking about how do we see in a life? How do we, how do we know Christ lives in a life? How do we know someone is, is truly taking the name of Christ by calling themselves a Christian? How do we know? When someone has a living encounter with a living Savior, Jesus Christ, I believe that that moment that very moment their life is turned from inward to outward from internally looking and seeking to externally going Martin Luther some of you may know him have read him some of you may not but Martin Luther he defines sin what is sin is the inward turning of the heart the inward turning of our hearts. And all of us have been there. All of us may be there this morning. Thing is that in our lives we're born with this void, we're born with this emptiness, and we try to, to fill it ourselves. Usually we fill it with the four A's. I call them the four A's. Appearance, how we look, achievement, what we've done so people can see, approval, how many people like us, how many Facebook likes we got, you know. Or affluence, how much money we've got. Usually one of those fours or a combination of those fours, appearance, achievement, affluence, approval, we seek that and we're trying to fill this, this internal emptiness of our lives. Born with it. Live in it. Jesus is different. Christianity is different. The moment we truly have that living encounter with a living Savior, the direction of our lives, the mission of our lives, the agenda of our lives moves from internal to external. Is that, how, do you, how do you know that? What, that's, that's the story of the gospel. That's the story of the Bible. We found it all through the Bible. Go all the way back to Genesis. You look at Abraham. God told Abraham, go. Go. Go to a land that you don't even know to a people you don't even know, go. And Abraham went. Moses saw God, heard God in the burning bush. He said, go. Go to the most powerful person in all the world and confront him, Pharaoh. Go for my people. Moses went. 
prophet Isaiah writes about God talking about whom shall I send? Isaiah heard God say, whom shall I send? Isaiah said, Lord, send me. Send me. In the passage we looked at last week, and this one again, Jesus risen. The first person he shows himself to is Mary. Mary is like, Mary is the church at this point in time. It's, it's simply Mary. And Mary, again, she has been a prostitute. She's had all this bad stuff happen to her. Jesus cast out multiple demons from her. And she could have had her own little therapy session with Jesus. And he says, wait, wait, wait. I didn't rise just for you. Jesus says, but go. Verse 17. He says, Mary, I love you. I'm, I've risen for you, but I haven't risen for you alone. But go. Tell my disciples. And she goes. She goes and tells him. And then, when they first see Jesus, doors were locked, then Jesus is in the room. What does he say? As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. How do you know someone's a Christian? Okay, living encounter, living in Savior. But their lives change. The direction of their lives change from internally trying to fill with things that ultimately won't fill to, to going. Externally focused on people. We say, we will go. We will go. I will follow. It's, it's the message of the gospel. You find it all throughout Scripture. There's a turning. There's a change. And we will go. Now, it's important to know, this only happens, this truly happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is something that we can't do on our own. I mean, some of y'all may be thinking, man, I just can't you know, do it. I can't live that way. Hey, I thought that way. I, I know that. It only happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. Something supernatural has to take place. And I want you to show you this in Acts 1. So just flip a few pages. You have your Bibles to Acts 1. And I want to read verse 6 through 11. Acts 1, verse 6 through 11. Jesus has been with his disciples now 40 days right before he ascends into heaven. It says, Acts 1, verse 6, When they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore your kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. A couple words I want to highlight in this passage. First is the question that the disciples ask Jesus. They say, Jesus, is this the time that we're going to like rule? That you know, you're going to bring your, your kingdom on earth and we're going to have power? I mean, they don't like actually say power. They're thinking like, hey, you know, we're, with, we're with Jesus. We're with the chosen dude. His kingdom. We're going to be in the inner circle. We're going to have power. They're still thinking in this earthly mindset. They're still trying to fill this emptiness with, with power, with earthly power. Jesus says, no, no, no. 
says, hold up, I got something better. I got something better for you. Yes, it's going to be power. But it's going to be a different type of power. Power you've never known. Power that's not of this world, not of this earth. A supernatural power. Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, then you're going to receive power. Then you're going to be able to truly go further than you've ever dreamed. He says, Jerusalem. You're going to change Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. These were simple-minded men, fishermen, to the ends of the earth? Jesus says, yes. You're going to have power. You're going to have Holy Spirit power. You're going to have supernatural power. Your life's going to be changed from internal to external. The same goes for us. 2,000 years ago today, there is a power. It's by the Holy Spirit. And when that power fills our lives and overtakes us, then, as it says, we will be His witnesses. Why do we go? Not to get a passport stamped. Why do we go? Not to meet our agenda. Why do we go? To be His witnesses. So often, so many of us, and I'll throw myself in there, so many of us, we go to be our own witnesses. You know, I mean, we witness about how good our lives are or how good this deal is that we're trying to present to you or, or how, you know, just how good it is that we could be in relationship. We witness for ourselves. I mean, if you really get down to it, it's something different. We witness for Jesus. Why don't we go for him to be his witnesses? I'll give you a couple stories about this, about being witnesses, about going. First off, you know, many of you know this. Some of you may have forgotten this, but you know, we started this church on a theme verse. One verse is John 10, 16. It's Jesus saying, there are others. There are other people. And Jesus says, I must go to them. They'll hear my voice. There'll be one flock with one shepherd. Jesus says, I must go. Jesus says, I must go. That's... If we're to exemplify his life, if we're to be his witness, then we go too. We say we will go. Some of us, you know, we may have forgotten that. We may have lost track of that. But the first place we go is here. Like in this body, do we go to one another? And I know some of you say, yeah, yeah, we go in a B group. And No, I mean like here, Sunday morning. Are we, are we going to one another? Are we, are we caring for one another? Are we, are we shepherding? Because if we don't do it here, if we don't go even in this, in this room, in this space, in this church, in, with these, our people that God has sent us, then we're not going to go anywhere else. And what I want for my own heart is, God, whomever you send, and God, I really want us to be a reflection of all this, this metro area, black, white, Rankin, Hines, Matt, I want to be a reflection of this metro area, but whomever you send, we'll go to. And it's not our agenda, it's yours. Can we live as a body like that? Go into the others here. That's the first place. Second is, is those we come in contact with that may be vastly, vastly different from ourselves. Different likes, different lifestyles. Share a story. Something happened to me this week, 4th of July. Conversation with someone, vastly different, vastly different lifestyle, okay? So I was up, family lake house. Um, some of you here may have been to it. Um, a place called Darden Lake. 
between Oxford and New Albany. And if y'all were here last week, my dad loves to throw this big 4th of July deal. I mean, he invites everybody. You ain't got a place to go before, hey, come down. To do- I mean, like, it's, it's just, it's too many people for our small little cabin. Like, everybody's coming in out of the woodworks. I mean, it is a motley crew. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all's 4th of July's may have been, a, we had a motley crew, family, extended family, friends of family. There's one guy there, let's say this is a guy, and um, everybody knows, um, everybody knows he's gay, okay? Everybody knows he's gay. And, you know, I mean, love on him and all this. I've never had a real conversation with a guy. So I'm down on the pier watching Jack, Logan, some of the boys swimming around. All of a sudden he comes down. We're the only two adults, you know, on the pier, you know, and... Um, then Jack and, and Lo, the boys, go upstairs. So it's just me and him, you know, on the pier, kind of having that, that moment there, you know. Here we are. And, um, you know, I'm asking myself a question, you know, like, I, I want to engage this guy. Never had a conversation. He knows I'm a preacher, and he may think I know his lifestyle. He may not know, but here's, here's the moment. Now, I could go, hey, Jack and Logan are going up. I need to go with them. I know there's plenty of folks who can take care of them. What do I do? Right? Engage in conversation. You know? How you like living in New Albany? Man, I really like it. Really lived in different places all over the country. Really like coming back. Um, how was living in Boston? He's asking me. So we ended up talking for about an hour. Actually, I don't know if I should say something. We ended up having a beer together. So, um, you know, just being real on the pier, having our moment. But I was engaging him, someone just... Different lifestyle. I don't know where he was with Christ. We didn't, we didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about church. We didn't talk about me being preached. We just had a conversation about an hour. And I was like, I want to build a relationship with this guy. And God, I don't know where you're going to lead it, but I want to, I want to give this guy some time. Do, do we do, how far are we willing to go? I mean, we're willing to go far with people who are like us and people who have the same interests in agenda. How far are we willing to go with those who are different? How far are we willing to go? Jesus, he went pretty far. Jesus went very far. Jesus went to those with extremely different lifestyles. He went to the sinners. He didn't go to the religious folks. How far are we willing to go for others? How far will we go? I challenge all, I challenge myself. Then Jesus highlights to the ends of the earth. And I ask you, whether you're going to Honduras or not, whether you go to India or Africa... How far are we willing to go for nations? Like, even if you can't go, will you join me? Will you join this church to praying for people? That these are people's lives and people's souls. So I'm going to do something now. I don't want to tell you a story. I just want to show you images. I've asked our media team to put together about a two-minute video. No music in silence. And it's just faces of people all around the world. People that uh, we have touched. This church has touched in mission. Africa, India, Honduras. Some of you have met these people but I just want you to just draw your attention to these, these people, these lives, these others. And if nothing else, pray for them. If nothing else, just see them as people, not as face, not as images. Can we show this for the next two minutes? People, lives, souls, not just images. Just looking at their eyes. I mean, these are they're people, they're, they're lives that, that God loves. And those of you who have been on mission, I mean, it's not just going to another country. It's not just building a house. It's getting to know people of a, of a different language of, of 
vastly different origins and experiences and, and just getting to know them. And the reason I show that and the reason I highlight it is, you know, that mission that I was talking about, how your life changes, it's, it is fundamentally a global mission. I mean, God has all of us, whether you know it, on a global mission. Why not I say that? If you go into Acts 2, after the Holy Spirit's come down, the disciples break into all different languages all over the world. These simple, common fishermen, all the languages of the earth. And God is saying by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to take you, I'm going to take my church, the church of Christ, to the ends of the earth for the salvation of the world. And we're part of that. We can be part of it. You can be part of that. I want to share one other story about how far we go. Talked about here. Talked about just people coming in contact globally. The farthest we can go is those that we differ with. Those are where it gets really tough. Those we're at odds with. Those who had disagreements. Those where a broken relationship has happened. How far will we go? I challenge myself on this. I use a story. Independence Day was this week. 4th of July. A lot of folks don't know this story. It's about John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. So here's a little history for you. John Adams, second president. Thomas Jefferson, the third president, hated each other, despised each other. Thomas Jefferson beat John Adams. John Adams was running for a second term. Jefferson beat him. They did not speak for 20 years. 20 years. These two founding fathers despised each other. John Adams' wife, Abigail, at a point, he was getting up in age and she said, you should reach out to Jefferson. 20 years, nothing. You should reach out to Jefferson. Adams wrote him a letter. And they started a correspondence over the last years of their life where they would write each other letters and rekindled a relationship, rekindled a friendship. So much so, and this is, this is one of the, maybe the little known facts of American history, they both died on the same day, July 4th, 1826, 50 years after they had signed the Declaration of Independence. Adam's last words were, Jefferson still lives on his deathbed. My point is not to give you a history lesson. My point is saying, how far will we get? Will we write that letter? Will we write that letter? Is it going to take us 20 years to write it? How far will we go? Will we go to those that we're at odds with? I hope all of us go. hope you go. hope I go. I hope we live we will go. And I want to close by not talking about who we go to. I want to talk about your story, our story, our individual story, the stories of our lives. Because see, whether you know it or not, and you say, how do you know someone's a Christian? You know they're a Christian if they can see, and maybe you see in them, that they are part of this grand, epic, eternal story. One last verse, verse 11. The angel said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. He ascended and he will return. Why do I say that? Because a lot of us get caught up in Christianity, in church. Hey, we die, we go to heaven. Heaven is not our final stop. Heaven is not our final resting place. Jesus is doing something. He is making all things new, Revelation said. And it began when he rose from the dead. He is making all things new. He's making his church. He's making this earth and this world new. Till one day he will come again. There's a literal ascension. There will be a literal return. When Jesus came the first time, he destroyed the power of death. Paul writes over and over again. 
You should have no fear. Death has no power. Death has no sting. When he comes a second time, he will destroy the very existence of death. Death will be no more. And we'll live eternally. Heaven on earth. The new heavens, the new earth. We were at the beach a couple weeks ago, and I love the beach. Some of you love the beach. And I've heard people say, you know, I'm, I'm bummed because you know, there's no beach in heaven. I, I've actually kind of thought that. Some of y'all may have said that. And I asked Linda, I was like, Linda, you think there's going to be, you know, a beach in, you know, the next life? Of course. Because there's a new heaven and a new earth. New earth. Jesus comes back. This earth, as it was intended to be, perfect. More perfect than we can ever imagine. So I'm trying to say here. I'm talking about your story. When Christ is in us, when Christ is in you, you are part of this grand, epic, eternal story. All the great stories that we love to read, all the great stories in movies, I love movies, they're essentially about, if you can boil it down, to an ordinary person who does something extraordinary with their life. G.K. Chesterton, British, uh, British Christian philosopher, teacher, preacher, he said all men, all men and women are ordinary. The extraordinary ones know it. We all are ordinary. But when Christ changes our lives, we live an extraordinary story. Talk about movies. I mean, just take your pick. All the classic movies, some of you are like, I love classic movies. Casablanca is about this ordinary guy who made this tremendous impact in World War II. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. This ordinary guy gets elected to the Senate and does something to change the U.S. Hitchcock. All the Hitchcock, an ordinary guy falls into this international intrigue and, you know, kind of saves the world. All the superhero stories. An ordinary guy that discovers this extraordinary power and changes the world. Movies today, Saving Private Ryan. Ordinary men, troops in a unit, do something extraordinary to help save the world in World War II. Even Lord of the Rings, written by a Christian, Tolkien, this ordinary guy, Frodo, is given this extraordinary task, is called. And he goes and he saves the world. All the stories that we love, ordinary people fall into this extraordinary story and save the world. The point is that the mission of Christ, the message of the gospel, the meaning of Christianity is that God is coming to the world in Jesus Christ and he is making all things new. And he is in the process of totally defeating sin and bad things like, like prejudice and even poverty and making the world new. And he will ultimately wipe away the existence of death. And if he is in us, we are part of that story. We get to be part of that story. One of the movie. I love, I don't know if all of you love, I love Almost Famous. You know Almost Famous? Everybody's trying to be Almost Famous following the rock band, follow, following the Kellums and the worship team, and the, you know, the groupies, Almost Famous. We live in an Almost Famous world now. Ten years after that movie was made with Facebook, Twitter, you, I mean, everybody's Almost Famous. Everybody is kind of Almost Famous, you know. The thing about Christianity is that Christ is in you if he changed your life a million years from now, a million years from now, thousands will know your name. You will be famous. You will have defeated dark lords. You will have defeated sins and temptations. You will have defeated principalities 
and thousands of people will know your name and you will be famous. And if he is not in you, then, or if you don't think he exists, or if you don't think it's true, then it's just going to dirt and dust and ashes. If he dwells in us, and if we say we will go, then we are part of this great story, this epic story. The greatest story of of all eternity to vanquish dark lords and foes and sins and principalities and to help bring about, raising his kingdom to the ends of the earth. Don't you want to be part of that story? I want to be part of that story. And it's a story that doesn't die when we die. It goes on forever. And we'll be together forever. And again, millions of people will probably know your name because you were part of this great story. But it's not our story. It's his story. And until we say, I'm going to take my story out of the mix and devote the rest of my eternal life to his story, then, then we live. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, yours is the greatest story. I pray we realize it. I pray we see it. Forgive us when we get caught up in our own stories, our own lives. It is, it is the fallenness of sin. I pray for myself, Lord. I pray for this church. I pray for the people of this church that we have a living encounter with Christ, our living Savior. And our world is not turned upside down. It's turned inside out. And we begin living for you with the people in this church, with the people we come in contact with, with people from the ends of the earth, and people that we may vastly disagree or have brokenness with. I pray we write the letter. I pray we go. I pray this church, the Spirit grows the heart of we will go more and more. And that we see, we see that we be part of this great story forever. Pray these your people will know it. In the name of Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. At Bellwether, we want you to be part of his story. It may have begun for you already. It may begin for you today. By your life being turned inside out. By having a living counter by the power of the Holy Spirit with a living Savior who is alive, who is here with us. We invite you into that relationship. We invite you into the greatest story that will ever take place throughout history. We invite you to it today.